is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Episode 39, Series 7 of the Sounding Board. Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you. On this Melbourne Cup Eve, Melbourne Cup 2022, the Monday before the Tuesday, Craig Hutchison, hello, welcome. Damo, how are you? Nice to see you. I didn't see you there Saturday because I know you would have been trying to keep a low profile after your constant criticism of the VRC over the last five years, I'm sure. If I'm to have a bet, I would suggest you were there, tucked away in a little corporate room where you didn't want to draw too much attention to yourself. There was no socials. You didn't tell me you were there, so I didn't know to come and find you. It would be hypocritical if you did accept an invitation. No, it wouldn't be at all. What I failed to do last week, actually, was actually seek the public permission from the ABC to to go to the races, for starters. I'm talking about the ABC organisation that runs a lot of TV programs and and takes a dim view of anyone who has anything to do with gambling. Um, Because I actually went with my my friends at, at Sportsbet. Um, they invited me to uh, a particular oh, part of the course. Is... And I did mean to actually raise this last week with you to, to seek via you permission from the ABC to to accept that invitation to go to the track on the weekend. But He's I a... forgot to ask and I just went, Hutchie. So He's a real media watcher. Yeah. Is. Do you think it was risky of you to accept such a said invitation? I would have thought so. I think, yeah. uh, I think half Mc... the course was uh, there for an invitation reason. Was Sam McClure the MC? Or... <laughs> no, no, I didn't see Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so you were there. You can confirm you were there. I can confirm I was there. Right. Yes, okay. with, with Sportsbet. I mean, you know, that may find its way to media watch again for some unknown reason. Yeah. But, uh... Why not get through to Monday? Why not get through to late 30, that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were there too. Now I, I I did get told you were there in your uh, in your DJing capacity and your no, in your right. SEN marquee in the birdcage. Is that the case? No, we had a group of clients there in the birdcage. That's true. But I have ret- you'll be pleased to know I have retired from the from the discs, Damo. Well, so, actually, uh, the last time lucky. I saw you at a social occasion like that, and I said I saw you through the glass at the time, was the SEN. Uh, September Club yeah, Grand Final Night. Three times. Don't That's we? what I'm saying. But yep. you were, you were on the tunes then. You were actually DJing that night. So so why the change between Grand Final Night I've, and Derby Day? I've I've, I've, uh, I've hung up the uh, the disc demo. So <laughs> trying to be a little bit more mature. And uh, it was a it was a great day at Flemington. It must be said the weather hasn't been too kind to Melbourne. Equally, it's been a great start at the Carnival in Sydney. The Golden yeah. Eagles off to a flying start. The Big Dance has got Channel Seven distribution on the day. It got the front page out in the Herald Sun. And the field at the Melbourne Cup, probably for the first time, Damo, we just say is not really quite the level we yeah. are used to, and the big dance is starting to make an impact. So yeah. this is going to be interesting. It, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, we obviously the Golden Eagle is has got as much attention as the as the Derby, hasn't it? I, I felt on Saturday. I, I think I had I had as much interest in the Golden Eagle as the yeah. the Derby itself. And I think they I think they turned over more last year. So I haven't seen the turnover numbers this year, but I'd be surprised if they're so wonderfully marketed. And you can see how aggressive racing New South Wales are in telling their story, particularly to places like Melbourne and Brisbane. So yep. it anyway, it's on for young and old. Hey, tell me on Saturday, I haven't seen the TV numbers, but I, I did see the top 20 release. Mm. And there was no racing in the top 20 on Saturday. And the numbers went down to 130,000 viewers. So really, am I to glean from that? Jane, just give me a nod out the back if that's true, <laughs> that the 10 broadcasts, all the seven of the Golden Eagle didn't do one thirty or above. You would have thought so on a Saturday, wouldn't you? Well, that, well, particularly for ten. Ten have put so much money into this four days, hosted by Eddie, of course. Yep. That you would think. Well, sorry, I have a, probably a, a contrary view, but maybe they would have thought it would rate more than it has if it didn't do the top twenty shows of the day. Yeah. 
I, I, Unless I that's an abnormality and we missed it in the ratings or something. But I would have thought it was a given that it was going to be there, even on a national perspective. So, so it's interesting question. Channel 10 bought this originally as a, like a halo investment. Like they outbid everyone to get the rights. Now, it is a loss leader in many respects. It's a promotional vehicle and it's, you know, it's a, something you hang your hat on. So I understand the strategy behind it. But you'd think it'd do, it'd do better. Now, tomorrow will do better, the Cup. But you'd yeah. think Derby Day. From memory, we talked about Derby Day's ratings last year, don't forget, here on the program, and whether they had met, had met the standards. And then Thursday, Oaks is a weird day for TV anyway. So it's a fair bit of money tied up in four days. Yeah. And again, I remember this this conversation last year, Hachi, with Channel 10, as you say, taking over the Flemington Carnival. Um, the habits cha- are forced to change, aren't they? Because Channel 7 usually, even with the Everest, was still doing both meetings, both the Melbourne yep. and the Sydney meeting, up until this particular weekend where Channel 10 takes over the Melbourne side of it. So you actually have to switch channels if you want the, you know, to alternate between the, the two states' races. There's, on a, on a, any given Saturday, there's probably 1 to 1.5 million Australians having a a bet. I know you'd know that number. That would be somewhere in the That in wouldn't the be arc. a guess. That would be a, a research number that you would be well across. And so that's that's a sizable TV audience. That that audience to fish at, if you like, is about what an AFL game is. You know, a good AFL game, six, seven hundred thousand, NRL, 900. Like, so those people have already got preset behaviours, though, aren't they? Yep. They're not going to stop doing what they've done by whichever means they choose to consume their racing content, just because 10 bob up. And the 10 product, I guess, is probably a little more, not as purist, a bit more celebrity-led or a bit more entertainment-led. I didn't. Well, you didn't see it yeah. either. Yeah, I didn't see it this year, So, as in well, this Saturday. I will tomorrow. I will we'll watch both broadcasts tomorrow. It's really got probably more appeal to non-traditional punters than it has punters. So That's the balance, isn't it? Yeah, an interesting one. It's a lot of money tied up in a rights for not a lot of audience. Like, normally rights investment... And rights, audience and revenue all go together. Yep. So this sort of swims in the face of that. Swims in the face. Flies in the <laughs> face of that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where to go next, Hachi. There's a few things I want to bounce around with you. As we speak today on this uh, I can particular give you one. Monday, Netball Australia deal. Well, do you want to go there? Well, go there? That, just, that's only just been announced. Yeah, so it's a $15 million deal that we've they've just announced for Visa Victoria on the way, our way in the studio. Mm. Our first lens on it. I so, guess so. So visit Victoria. This is the uh, it's the visitation arm of the state government funding, led by Brenda McClements, who've been very proactive in the market. There's some very active Melbournians on the board, I think, or Victorians. Is it Eddie still on it? Yeah, I think he's yeah. still on the board. I've done a great job. The so it's a 15 million dollar investment. There's next year's grand final. There's you know an international year for five years. There's training camps here. There's visit Victoria on the on the uh, athletes' uniforms and a few of those things. Great deal for Nepal Australia. Well done to Kelly and her team for pulling that off and completely resets the narrative on their business from a week ago. It's a massive get from where they were, as you say, a yeah. week ago. Well, I think it's a... When it's a Hankook sp- Prospecting, is that the official company? Hankook We got in trouble with this, this last week, so we'll... <laughs> Did we? Yeah, a few people said he didn't get the um, family names accurate, but the okay. it's a smart use of their assets... There's some. There'll be some people who forget this. Last year, Netball Australia made an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable and unpopular decision to fund a grand final in Perth, and everyone blew up 
Because when change happens mm. and you're the king of the everyone blows up when change happens society. No, I'm not. You, you just are. like you like to paint you me are. as that. I, I, I'm so progressive it's not funny, Hutchie, when well, it comes to my views on, on sport. What well, you're not you're so progressive it's not funny. That's that that is a t shirt you don't expect to see. <laughs> Damo says he's self so progressive it's not funny. You just like to paint me in the other way. <laughs> the the which reminds me of something I'll come back to that. The the decision to go there for WA is unpopular, everyone's blowing up, it's unfair and like short sighted thinking at the time. From everybody. Well, you say that because you have always been attached and in love with the dollar that comes with these deals. Big, so think big picture. So now, does that deal happen if they can't move the grand final in the first year? And it's not—it's a normal thing to do now to move the grand final. They've done it once. Mm. Everyone's got comfortable with it. And that's the centrepiece that holds this and launches this five-year deal. Yeah. That's probably how the conversation started. They probably went in and said, next year's grand final's on the table, but what else can we do? It was a conversation started to enable a bigger discussion. In the end, there's a like-minded objective. They are to plug a few things into nationals and get a three million average per annum by five out of it. So, so look, that's all the positives about it, but, but what, Great deal. Where, where do you fit, though, and where, where do you sit? Because I'm slightly uncomfortable. As, as, as wrapped as I am for Nepal Australia to salvage this deal, because the sport's future was in jeopardy with, with the, the amount of money that was pulled from its control only last week. So now they've got that money back on the table. But when do governments prop up sports and taxpayers prop up entire sports? And, and that's – I don't think I'm being too dramatic to say that's the amount of money attached to this deal. It's effectively funding the entire sport. And if, look, if you don't think that's the case, tell me I'm wrong. When, but, but this is a government body. Well, don't worry. That's in, I think that's incredibly naive. When did they not do it? Not to like, this tune. Go, like, I, I can't recall a fifteen million dollars straight government sponsorship. Oh, I, I can. I know there's a lot of mo- government money goes into a lot of sport. Don't get me wrong on that space, but but to, to be a sponsor the of the sport. Well, let's you call it you call it sponsorship, call it visitation, call it what you like. It's investment in in a sport. It's an investment in a, a women's sport, which is smart business, strategic, and the right thing to do. And it's also, I guess. We're invested in the WNBL and very passionate where it's going. But netball uh, does seem to to be one of the main beacons of uh, discussion and opportunity in women's sport. Damo, federal government have been funding stadia. The federal government are going to fund the Tassie Stadium. They've redone pretty much every stadium in Australia, co-investment with state government. Uh, Geelong wasn't a marginal. That, that's stadia. It's no different. It's, it's just it's, it's not a corporation. Oh, Damo, it's a it's a check. It's a it's a means to justify a check. I get all that. If Geelong, do you think if Geelong was a safe seat? If Geelong was a safe seat, yeah, the Cats would be playing at Warren Ponds by now. Like they've just been able to top up their stadium every time around. Because well, even even the um, redevelopment of Marvel Stadium, while it's owned by the AFL, the government government's funding that. I, I get all that, Hutchie. But Tasmanian, this, is, this the, is into, into the Tasmanian, infrastructure the Tas- as opposed to a, a sport. But what do you care where the check goes? Someone's I'm, just I'm going a, into the sport. I am uncomfortable that a, that a state government is just is so, mate, popping up an entire. It is sport. happening. In every single sport, the Australian Sports Commission gets gets revenue that's redirected from federal government. State governments are investing in local. Local governments are investing. Tasmanian government sponsored Hawthorne. Uh, where, where do you start then? The the visit the music acts that are going on through Victoria are all funded by the government, attracting people to those towns, and that's a good thing to do. There needs to be a good degree. No, of- no, I, you say it's a good thing to do, and I, I don't disagree that it's great and it's a great outcome for the sports, and particularly Nepal Australia. Okay. But it, it is, it's to me, it's a, it's an elevation of government money going to sport. It's an allocation no different to the arts get, to the theatre get, to what welfare un- goes first mm. and aged care and all, all. Like there's things you need to do for humans, 
yeah. goes first. There needs to be an allocation reinvested in sport, tourism, uh, visitation, and the arts and culture and theatre. And I'd love to see the fine print too on it too. It'd be how could you, there'd how be could you, a lot of how control. Do you think of it? Sports would exist without it. The federal government put ten million dollars into the Fox Sports um, Women's Sports Program program. <laughs> like, yeah. government play a super important role in sport, and sport is at the heart of our. Actually, you, you, you don't need to convince me of that. I understand that, but but I cannot recall the sponsorship of an entire sport. That's what this is. I, I would say it's an entire sport is now is basically been propped up by one government in this country. I would say every sport is propped up by government. And if you don't have a strong government strategy as a sport, you don't have a great business. Mm. And it's it's part of our sense of self-confidence. It's a huge part of the economic driver. The area of Geelong and its economy is in part driven by the success of the footy team. I know, Hutchie, but that's a stadium. It's the same thing. It's, it's well, a stadium. It's finding its way to Geelong's cop. Who do you think makes the money out of the stadium? The Cats, they get a million dollars a game out of it. It's like, where do you want to intersect the check well, in this Well, the AFL benefits too. The AFL's rebuilt the whole business on the back of government. I know it has. Look at what New South Wales are now, the, the challenges they're going with stadium. Government is at the heart of everything. Oh, that I think we're arguing different things here, Hutchie. You're getting caught up in the word sponsorship. Well, I'm well saying, that's what it is. I'm saying if the government writes a cheque and it ends up in the pocket of the club or the league, how do you care how it gets there? Does it go through the stadium? Does it go through the, this door? Or does it go through that door? Well, how do you feel if you're a New South Wales player playing the game right now. You'd be happy the money's come in, absolutely, but you're going to be now beholden to pumping up and promoting Victoria over your own state. <laughs> As best I understand the commitment, they've got to do one training camp a year in Victoria. Oh, let's read the fine print. And play you, one you game reckon, a year. You reckon, the word... you reckon they're getting this for, for what? You're getting the $15 million for one game. You reckon that's what's happening, do you? I'll tell you what, if, net, if a netballer walked into the head office today and said, I'm really uncomfortable with this. I grew up in Albury. And we've done this deal with Victoria, don't we, to use your theory. Well, they're uncomfortable just, with okay, the previous I, sponsor, Hachi. They quote, were uncomfortable with the previous sponsor. I think your cynicism's run rampant here. No. Hey, um, hey. Now, did you watch 60 Minutes last night? I didn't. Winks went around. Winks went around Yeah, again. it was cup week, so I thought Winks wouldn't be too far. Yeah, away. it was cup week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to start the Flemington Carnival. Uh, sex trafficking story in yep. our own country, Australia. I just wanted to raise it because I think he's elevated his reporting game even further. You, you, you've liked the evolution of the, you know, the print journal that he once was to the broadcaster that he is and, and yep. high ender. I think there's a bit of, um, I won't say acting, but there's some very, very good camera work going on now. With, you think with, his, his sense of performance is Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I did allude to this. You did. No, you, you forecast it. I, I think he's there. I think he's there. Yep. Like when, you, when you're on camera and you – you put the the call on the speakerphone, just the facial expressions when they answer, like that one, yep. and then the, you know, the deeply thought out how you respond to whatever they say. Yep. It's very was good. It, a well-told it story? was almost like a little it- scene out of a movie, like a key a key scene at a critical juncture so in a movie. I haven't. I didn't see the story, and, and, yeah, I, and, I, and it sounds like story. there's a very serious very issue serious. behind it. So I don't yeah. want to get in, get involved in that. No, but, I'm not raising it for that reason either. Um, but but it was well told. You think? Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Once it's, upon, it's it's great TV. Once upon a time, you get an unlisted call on your phone from Nick McKenzie, and you'd panic because he was chasing you for a story. Now people are chasing him for a story, and they can't get through for two days because he's in acting classes. <laughs> it was uh, very I, good. I'm, I'd, Nick, I'm I'd, Nick McKenzie. I'm unavailable at the moment. I'm in studio working on some technique. If I'd you, like you to if just... you have a blockbuster story. Press one. If you have a sixty minutes worthy story, press two. <laughs> yeah. Now. Um, 
I want to move along, Hutchie, oh, can I just to, a, to a press release that, yeah, we, that we and every other person in football received during the week. I know, and many share with us. Yes, it has been brought to our attention, even though I think we were both onto it ourselves anyway. And I think when you when you make when you do something that catches our eye, often we can report this, but not name the person. But when you are a repeat offender, you need acknowledging. So, from the Melbourne Football Club, Matthew Goodrope, very good operator, who I'm told is a very good operator. No, no I I can vouch for that being the case. But has for the second time in and my a very time. Good guy. For the second time in my time, and this needs to be called out, released a press release about himself. The second time? Yep. <laughs> what was the first time? When Actually, was, go to the most recent I'll, one. I'll go to the first time. The first time he was elevated to the general manager of media yeah. was the first time I called out this behaviour from him. He put out a press release saying Matt Goodrow promoted the head of media <laughs> at the start of his journey. I didn't notice that one. <laughs> now, on Friday, 4.12pm, yeah. Melbourne Football Club media released Melbourne Department, Media Department changes. Well, sent, by, sent by who? Sent by Matthew Goodrope. Right. So he sent it to his own BCC list, Matthew MFC, and, and the whole media. Yeah. This is from Matthew Goodrope. <laughs> now, I don't know whether people really do media releases about media department changes. Like the, the, your, your job's to be on the bottom of the release, Matt, for any further inquiries on what's above. Your job's not to be on the top. No, it's not. It's not about you. It is. The Melbourne Football Club would like to advise that Matthew Goodrope <laughs> has been promoted to general manager of media and communications effective immediately. <laughs> so he, his said first Matthew, role got a release, now he's got the bigger role. Caitlin Nobes has also been promoted to oversee all day-to-day media managing broadcast relationships from today. Then the, the oh, I love this one, the third sentence. From today, any media requests should be directed to Caitlin Nobes, <laughs> right? So not only has Matthew Goodrope put out a release about Matthew Goodrope's promotion and called himself... Matt Goodrope in the text. <laughs> oh, he's done a Matthew, Matthew guy, did a Matt guy. <laughs> uh, but he's also told people don't ring him anymore. <laughs> Sentence three. Because <laughs> what what I find with media managers is this: there's always a day when they're just sick to death of people ringing them, and. <laughs> The day they get the pressure, the elevation. He's there. In every single release, it says, this is the person you need to ring. I'm a bit big for this role. Yep. yep. <laughs> now, other, this is not quite a media release, but I did see this in Saturday's Herald Sun, Hutchie, under the, I think it was the Alice Costa byline, under your headline. This is how it read. Craig Hutchison has received an extra $500,000 in a year. No one can deny he has the Midas touch. The former journo turned media baron collected $1,478,901 from his sports entertainment group company. The 2022 financial report shows his income was listed as 928901 However, a footnote read the group, quote, has an agreement with Craig Hutchison Media Proprietary Limited for the provision of talent appearances and services totaling $550,000. Yep. My only comment on this, Hutchie, and I'm actually being serious on here, I don't think you're getting enough. And I'm actually being serious. I know how hard you work. And I, I was surprised to read that number as low as it was. Yeah. And, and I'm actually, I know you probably think I'm trying to get a rise out of you. I think you have underpaid yourself. This happens every year. It's just a tax on the role I'm in. So as a public company. So look, look, I don't think anyone cares, but I'll clear it up for you anyway. First of all, that's not right. So the five... 50 mm. is inside the 945, not outside, right? Right. Which I tried to explain, but fell on deaf ears. 
The second thing is my base wage ha- has not changed in since the merger, 2018. So I don't get a dollar more per annum as a fixed wage than I did then, and nor should I. Uh, the only time it has changed was when I went backwards a little bit, like everyone did during COVID, but yep. it hasn't gone forwards. The third thing is I'm a shareholder, right? So there is, uh, at the start of the journey, there was a share journey of key performance growth that unlocked some shares, right? And in many years or some years, we haven't reached those thresholds and haven't unlocked those shares. In one year, we have, which was 15 months ago, there was a portion unlocked. So that they are shares, not cash, that have been, uh, they were unlocked based upon the vesting of those shares based upon the performance. And because of the accounting cycle, they take more than a year to show up in the annual report. And if you look at it closely, I actually own less shares or I own less of the company than I did five years ago. So I earn, I earn the same amount of cash I did five years ago and I earn less shares only because we've been doing strategic deals to grow this wonderful business and we've used script in some parts to do it, which meant all, meant all of us, including me, have had to dilute. Now, I will keep buying shares if allowed and if wanted to because I believe so in where we're going. So did you explain that to Ellis? This is what – well, I did, but – Unfortunately, this is what happened. You get the five o'clock Friday phone call, which I've seen coming. Oh, and which you've made yourself many a time, by the many way. Many times. No problem. The headline's already written. The desk are already excited about the juicy, you know, here's one. This will get good clickbait. And the validation or articulation of that is of no really, like, and, and in fairness to Alice and Stephen, they understood it and they wrote it. But like what they wrote was, other than that era, was, you know, technically true. The, our, they took the less of our profit, so they had uh, profit after tax of three million or something when our EBITDA was ten point three. So it was designed in a way to to look like I'm taking money off the table when the business isn't, isn't making as much money, and, and I get that that's the role I'm in, and I'm forever going to be a sitting duck on that type of stuff. Um, but in reality, I don't haven't earned any haven't earned any more money than was set out to be at the start. And um, the, my talent services are provided externally as well, inclusive in that, including things like footy classified. So, Is this show part of your extra talent service provision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. So without without that payment, we wouldn't be doing this show. Is that what's happening? No, I get paid, you know, give or take 40 or 50% to run the business and 40 or 50% to contribute to it externally. Right. And internally. There you go. All right. But that total number is has unchanged for five years, four years. Yep. No. First world problems, eh? But it's the headline gets written, and then you go. Oh, it was very clickable. I saw it on the Friday. Find me ten paragraphs to support this headline. As you know, I have this wrestle, regular wrestle with myself to not click on stuff. But when I saw your headshot again on the Herald Sun, I had to click on it, and then it was in the yep. in the written form yeah. on Saturday. Actually, a lot I'm of questions not, I'm too. I'm not complaining, by the way. I get a, I get by and large, I get a fair go. Why don't you really say what you think rather than that rubbish? Why don't you really say that what you probably do think? I think by and large we we get well covered as a business. I think we get a fair we get a fair go. Um, just while we're on you, uh, there are a few questions today on the question time which we will get to later on. But um, a lot of them are about the Perth Wildcats. Go for it. You want to get into them now? We might do the mate, we might make this the question of the week actually. Yep. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. 
Andrew Vitalins on email. It's reflective of quite a few questions, Hutchie, that did come through over the course of the last 24-48. Uh, after a disastrous first season as new owners of Perth Wildcats, Hutchie's method of feebly attempting to pacify the Western Australian public has seen him repeatedly come out with his mantra, judge us what we do on the court. What is Hutchie's own judgment of the season so far for the Perth Wildcats? Who, that's where the question ends, who I think Hutchie are three and three. Would that be right? Three and three. Yep. Early days, Andrew. By the time many are listening to this, we'll have played Melbourne United on Monday night, right. being tonight, and we'll either be four and three or three and four. Where's either, that game? In Melbourne. Will you be going? Three games this week, yep. How's that going to go for you when you front your uh, former fans who once loved you as bring, owner of the Melbourne team? Bring it on. So, and, and, and to answer Andrew's question, I think you said there's a few others on this front too, right? There, there, were, there were a couple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the team's three and three. It's early days. Won the first three. Had a uh, had two close losses that we should probably have won or you know, one point on Friday night. Yeah, I saw that. Which against a very good South East Melbourne and then had a – should have beaten – probably beaten Melbourne in Perth, but they were very good on the night and then had a shocker against Tassie. Three and three, early days – with new uh, players, import system coach, it will take a bit of time. It doesn't matter whether you're three, three, four, four, five, five. It, what matters is you qualify in the tournament late, and how you perform at the business end, and that's what our focus is on. So it's too early to tell. How I many, think how many done... matches in, in a season? Twenty-eight. Yep. The team went sixteen and twelve last year, and three and three this year. So it, as you know, if you want to call it a new owner score, we're nineteen and fifteen. We'll see how the season unfolds, Andrew. What's really interesting, and I love the questions which speaks to the passion of the Perth community, which I've said to you many times is totally different to what Melbourne are two and five through no fault of their own. They've had, you know, Jack White leave and Shaley get concussed and all a lot of similar things and problems that perhaps Perth have had along the way. If we were, or if I were at Melbourne, we're at 100% out of the Melbourne business, which gets lost a lot, I wouldn't get any emails like this. Wouldn't get any passion. Wouldn't get any, like, it, it, not to disrespect um, that fan base, because it's brilliant. But the Perth fan base is a whole other mm. next level. And that's what makes it great. Yep. All right. Not only people uh, want to see success and they deserve to. So we'll try and deliver it. And from question of the week, we're going to go straight into one of the old favourites, which you don't like doing much anymore, but I'll be able to work around you with this one on uh, Spin City, please, Hutchie. On the sounding board, Spin City for Drinkwise. Remember, you won't miss a moment if you drink wise. I'm going to take you back to uh, last week as uh, barrier draws were being made for the big meeting at Flemington Racetrack on the, the Saturday just gone. So there was a barrier draw for one of the races, the uh, Empire Rose yep. race, which was a, a race, a good race for, for Mess. And oh, hang on. it yeah, got we, to the – I'm just sitting this up. I'm just what, sitting this up. Who am I here? I'll, I'll work it out as I talk. There were 16 horses that in the race, 20 in total – and obviously four emergencies. But the way the barrier draw was being done, a horse was picked out effectively and then a, a number was taken out of the other barrel. And they got to the last horse, which happened to be uh, a horse trained by Wayne Hawks called Yearning, and there were no balls left in the other barrier hatches. So what you are going to be, for the purpose of Spin City today, is the Victorian Racing Stewards, oh. who, who managed to somehow... Somehow, not even orchestrate a barrier draw, which which thousands of people around the country will be doing I, overnight hang on. for the Melbourne Cup I sweep. Need, I just need to get in character. Hang on a minute. I think I always think of the Victorian Racing Stewards as similar to the government supervisors on Tatsoto. Yes. 
in attire and in and uh, pork pie hat. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. De- Des Gleeson style. So I just want to press conference. You're the media. Yeah. yeah. I right. just want to ask ask you, please, Mister Mister or Mrs. Stewart, uh, as as to how a, a multi million dollar industry, and maybe even billion dollar industry, can stuff up a major race on the first day of the Flemington Carnival when it comes to the most basic of requirements. That being the barrier number for the horse in question. Well, first of all, Damien, it's nice to see you back in racing circles after your criticism in recent years. Welcome back. I must be spring carnival time. I must be off to the uh, sports bet market on Saturday. No, well, nice, nice to have you back in racing. Look, it's an incredibly naive question. If you think about it mathematically, you only need 15 balls to do a 16 field <laughs> drop. What other ball could it have been other than the 14 barrier as it was the only one not drawn? You no. don't need to. No, no actually. This, is, this is where I will jump in because if 14 was in the marble options in that particular barrel, another horse could have got the 14. Damien, you only need 15 balls to do a 16 ball drop. <laughs> a better and more theatrical way to announce what the last barrier is is to find which one hasn't been drawn. <laughs> That's all it can be. And the fact that – and you think about this. How much media in five days have we been able to point towards the Empire Rose? Do you think we would have had any media about the Empire Rose at all? This is what's happening at the moment. Racing New South Wales are booking front covers of the Herald Sun. New South Wales racing is drowning out Victorian racing in media. It's hard to get the Melbourne Cup on the news at the moment, given the spend going on in News Limited. We were able to create a very theatrical way to create manufactured controversy around the lack of the last ball to create interest and talkability. That made the project. If though, That made the... Today's show. If though, Mr. Stewart, you, you were so adamant that that was the the right way to do it and it stood the test of uh, credibility, why then did you do another redraw? A complete redraw where well, you did, I can strangely an- enough, have the right number of, that. of barrier numbers in that barrel to match the number of horses in the race. Not only did our tactic work <laughs> and create mass media, it actually worked too well. And over four or five hours, we had such a mainstream multi-million dollars of coverage in the Peter Volani's world <laughs> that idiot. in the three o'clock <laughs> afternoon meeting, we gathered and we thought, why don't we redo it? <laughs> that way, people will talk about it all over again for a second day. And that's when that worked again. And a week on, you're still talking about it. So... I ask you who the victim is here. Not bad, actually. I'll give you, I'll actually give you the points on that. That Spin City. What that, about, was, uh, that was very well done. What about this last week on Media Week? Blow up. Demo unleashes. <laughs> Unleashed on the sounding board, Hatchie. Yep. So the the Media Week, quite cleverly, have done a story quoting your half tongue in cheek attack on me about the placement in the Media Week. There was no tongue in cheek about it, Hatchie. <laughs> I was staggered as to how high you were. Okay. There was no tongue-in-cheek. Fair <laughs> enough. But you've gone on a bit of a warpath about how I didn't deserve to be even in the list, let alone at the, wherever I was. No, and- look, it was tongue-in-cheek. But you were at number 29. You were ahead of Peter Blunden, which was the one that jumped off the page at me. And you've been quoted regularly. And you've been you've been the subject of clickbait yourself. I don't, I don't know whether James Manning thought I was, I was being tongue-in-cheek, which I was, or, or was being serious. But to his credit, he ran he ran the quotes. Yeah, he, so you, you've been clickbaited yourself. Blow up, Damo <laughs> unleashes. I know said I know when you're now a headline, you're, a, you're universally known as Damo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've become when, when things are going your way, it's Damien Barrett in the fine print, and when you're like on Media Watch or or you've been clickbaited in the Daily Mail or Media Week, you're now Damo. <laughs> <laughs> Hachi, we jumped around a few topics yep. today. Uh, Tim Payne's release yeah. of his book, it, it's, it's unusual, isn't it, in that um, I saw and was aware of the promotion around this book for the last couple of months even, that yep. 
I always find when the book gets released, as a rule, that it's a very toned down version of what the athlete often would want to say and would absolutely say at a, at a given point in time. This one, though, seems, to what I've uh, read by way of excerpt and been made aware of to this point through other media outlets, seems to be, he's going to call it as, as it happened. Yeah, and there's been a couple of clips there. There's a good one for Nick Hockley, the CEO of yeah. Cricket Australia. And I wanted to ask you about that because you, you always stick up for uh, Nick Hockley. There's also a good one for uh, Scott Morrison there as well. I didn't see that Wasn't one. It? Oh, sorry, not Scott. Excuse me. Malcolm Turnbull. Malcolm Turnbull's reaction. I, I, there's two good clips. I haven't read the Turnbull one, but I'm, I'm told it's a, it's a good okay, one. Okay, I haven't seen that one. I wanted to just go back to the Hockley situation. Yep. So the CEO of Cricket... Australia and ultimately, well, you're the ex-district cricket turned Sheffield Shield writer, so probably best to aim this at you initially. What's your view? Well, I'm staggered that the CEO of, of an organisation can, and again, this is Tim Payne's version, and Nick Hockley's chosen, yep. unless I've missed it, to not respond to it, not give his side of it since. But the way it's been reported, and I've got no reason to disbelieve any part of it, with the way Tim Payne said that ultimately a, a consultant from outside of cricket came in to ultimately broker the deal for him to stand down. And that Cricket Australia, through Nick Hockley and others around him, said that this is the advice we're getting and we are going to heed to that advice and that is going to be our position on it. I would think if you were going to take that advice, Hutchley, as someone as Nick Hockley in Nick Hockley's position, Hutchley. I would think that whatever happens behind the scenes, and if even if it is – the advice of a consultancy yep. group. You own the decision yourself and you look that person in the eye and say, this is our position and we are putting this to you as our position. We're not going to wash our hands of the decision that we've all reached as, a, as an organisation and, and, and tell you that a consultant who doesn't care for the organisation apart from this consultancy that he's got or she's got is telling us to do so. I, I think it's pretty weak. I think it's really weak. I know it goes on, but you've got to ultimately own yeah. the final outcome out of any conversation you have with those people. So I feel for Tim, he's a, he, a, he was put in a really um, tough spot, obviously by his own doing in part, in full, and yeah, he would have loved the straight answer and I can understand his frustration. And he's you know, he's a you know, fantastic guy, as I've talked about in the past, he made an error and I know, have no doubt that he'll he'll, he'll rebound and, and uh, go again in Australian public life. Yep, and, he's and, and he's, he's acknowledged all of that, in, including in the, in the, the past. Bit. And I hope I yep. hope to work with him again at some stage. Not to sound defensive of Cricket Australia for the sake of being defensive, but just putting myself in Nick Hockley's shoes for a moment. It's really hard when you have. Look, he's not all. He's not just speaking for himself, right? He's 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 doing a job on behalf of a board. A board, yeah. He's got a dysfunctional set of states. Yep, that's who, always been who, the case who in got, cricket. Who've got too much power? Got Tassie, who are a player in the whole role the chairman thing anyway. And then he's got lawyers and governance saying, you, you can't say this and you can't say that and be careful with this and you need to follow, follow the book on this because he'll end up a court case one day. And it's not his business like uh, the business I run is not mine either. It's publicly listed business. But I feel a sense of ownership in part over it. For Nick, he's serving the interests of a whole bunch of people. So he has to do what he feels is the right compliant thing. And it's really tricky sometimes because sometimes I'm sure you want to say, Tim, I'm going to give it to you straight, mate. We're going to move on. This is not going to work for either of us. But he can't, he can't, he can't do that. He's going of course to he can. Of course he can. Because that is ultimately what happened anyway. They sacked 
Tim Payne as captain yeah. of the Australian But he's, he's only a couple of years into the CEO's role and he's taking legal advice. A couple on of the years. Lift. How many years do you need before you make taking, the, take ownership of what taking, you're doing? Well, he's taking legal advice on the left saying, I've been in this situation before. They where, have to take legal advice. But my, my point is, when you're going to convey the message of, of all the advice and you've made the decision yep. yourself, it's your decision. Sometimes and it's your organisation's decision. Don't, don't deliver it and well, then say, oh, this yeah, is what we're being told to I'll, do by people who aren't part of the organisation. I'll, I'll defend him on two fronts. Sometimes you need to take the advice of people who say, when you deliver this conversation, you can't say this, 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 and this because you go into areas that are going to legally backfire on the business, right? And that, that happens, Damo. It ha- and in a modern employment world, you need to be perfectly yep. clear and comfortable. No, no, I get, I get all that. And the second thing is is his judgment. So I think probably what he was thinking is, look, I know Tim. I know the caliber of person he is. I think he's going to arrive at this decision anyway, and he might just need a little bit of a coaching from me to get him there. And so if I present some advice around him, he might arrive at that position himself. Now, that didn't happen. Pretty weak. He misread the room. There's a lot of CEOs in Australian sport who have chosen that path of trying to find a shared outcome. Yeah. And that's what I think he was trying to do, is trying to get Tim to a point where he said, look, Stand down, and then Tim at that point is understandably not seeing the world. Well, yeah, there's a blur, clearly. isn't there? There's yeah, a haze not... of of survivalistic self interest yeah. kicks in. Survivalistic, you don't see the business's view that this is brand damaging, and of course, it's not right, it's not fair. But of course, things were going to change when it became public. That was the double jeopardy spot he was in. It was. It, that, that job is just held to higher public account than nearly anything other than politics. And so... Well, I'm sort of coming at it more from the consultancy firm used and the individual yeah. used yeah, who I made think, the decision. But, but I think if Nick Hockley had his time again, he would have been straighter and harder and sooner, right? Yeah. It's learning. But Well, well let's let's also go back then to the point where Cricket Australia looked at the issue in question, that, that being the exchange of, of text, which has been played out publicly. So, so that, they made a ruling internally, which Tim Payne was well aware of, to, to, to deal with it. Yeah, they made but, the wrong... But to keep him in the position. Yeah, they probably made the wrong... Or they did make the wrong call. You, you, to me, you time. can't have it both ways. You can't deal with it and then and then change your mind the moment it's public. You have to deal with it as though it is public, I feel, because it's always going to be public. Or would you argue... Would, would I be right in saying it's nine times out of ten it's going to be public? Nine times out of ten. Yeah. And then the other thing that happened, and again, not to defend this in any way, shape or form, but in the last few years, society's... Um, demands and expectations on these things has grown. Yeah, I don't know about that. Ha- I, I has don't grown think favorably in the right way, right? We, yes. we we are we are sharpening up our sense of what we expect from those mm. in, in public office, and we are far more ruthless on it. And that that has happened on in in that time frame too. So while they made a mistake at the time in the, in the way they handled it on their own admission, equally we've we've all evolved. And then when it went public, there was. They were in a bit of a spot, so I, I, like I, I don't, I feel for Tim, but I, I don't think uh, Nick can be held fully to blame for the way he handled it. Well, he is CEO of the company in question. I get, I get that. I think he would have handled it differently, but I'm sure he had people. There would have been lawyers at ten paces lined up, and be careful not to say this. And, this. and then he just made a judgment call that I think he could coach him to where he wanted to get him anyway, without having to humiliate him by sacking him. And as always, I mean, we, we comment on these things as other people do too, and it's always easy uh, to talk about it it's when it's all wrapped up. No, absolutely, it is. Yeah, and, and in the I, heat of the moment, it's hard. It's yeah. complicated. But the the one thing that you don't ever get away from, Hutchie, when it's all said and done, is you've almost got to take the view that it is public and take the medicine now. Would, would that be a starting point for the next time something like this happens? 
Well, I think we talked about it at the time. They everything becomes public eventually. They rolled they rolled the dice on it not being known, didn't they? And it didn't work. Mm. All right, you off to the track uh, tomorrow? I'll pop in for a look. I think, don't yeah. I? Yeah. And then Thursday, potentially. And Saturday? No. I'll go to, uh, I'll go to Adelaide Saturday and watch the Perth Wildcats play. There you go. Yep. All right, that was episode 39, series 7 of The Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.